The Tigers lose yet another spring training game. We're going to go over the observations from it because it was actually on TV. And then we're going to do a player preview on Nick Maton all today on Locked on Tigers. You are Locked on Tigers, your daily Detroit Tigers podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Locked On Tigers. I'm, of course, your host, Scott Bentley. Today is Tuesday, March 7th, 2023. Thank you for making Locked On Tigers your first listen every single day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube. It's a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every single day. All righty, we are back yet again for another day because it's a daily show. Thank you guys for tuning in. As always, I appreciate y'all so much. Uh, let's talk ball because that's what we love to do here. So I think let's just start the show how we always start the show. Uh, Tigers drop the spring training game on Monday to the Boston Red Sox by a score of seven to one. Uh, the biggest thing, first and comfortably foremost, Justin Turner obviously was hit in the face by a Matt Manning fastball. That is awful. There was, uh, it's, it's not fun to watch. Uh, that is everyone's top priority. And I obviously, we are wishing him nothing but the best. Uh, the last update at the time of this recording is that he was aware and, and up and everything, but he was at the hospital and they were doing some repair on some tissue stuff. So hopefully it's just, uh, you know, hit him in the face. There's some blood and he's going to be okay. I think that would be best case scenario. So that's what we're wishing for. Wishing Justin Turner nothing but the best. And uh, definitely just like it's spring. Everyone's just trying to, to get some ABs and, and get worked up and get ready for the regular season. Nobody likes injuries in spring, especially ones that are uh, as gruesome as that one. So first and foremost, wishing Justin Turner nothing but the best. On to the rest of the game. Uh, Tigers lost in very familiar fashion. And again, I'm not a big win-loss guy in spring training, but uh, it, when, when there's a pattern, then you kind of start to raise your eyebrow. And the pattern lately has been really not great pitching. We will get into Matt Manning in a second. I do want to start with the offensive side of the ball because there was obviously only one score, one run scored offensively, and that was Riley Green. Took a ball about 900 feet. Uh, for a home run, a solo shot. That was the biggest positive probably of maybe the entire game on either side of the ball for the Tigers, uh, but certainly the biggest positive offensively. And yeah, you know, he looks really good. The swing looks beautiful. He seems to be lifting the ball a little bit more in the spring, which is nice. Well, you know, only time will tell. We need more of a sample size to really come to that conclusion for sure. But I'm happy with what I've seen so far. I think everybody is. Uh, another thing defensively really quick, Riley Green in the corners again and Matt Beerling in center again. We just did our player preview on Matt Beerling yesterday. You can go check that out. But uh, I, I love it. Uh, and that, again, that's not to say that I don't think Riley Green should play 140 games in center field this year because I think he should. But I also think we should have some flexibility and some open-mindedness with it. And and I, I don't think that he's this unmovable you know, like Kevin Kiermeyer defensively center fielder. And so uh, I think that there can be a lot of value 
that the Tigers can gain in a really big outfield. We've kind of been down this rabbit hole before. I don't, I don't want to talk about it too much, uh, but uh, I enjoy that, especially in spring when this, the, you know, these games don't matter. Let, let's try some stuff. And, and so I, I like seeing that defensively again. Uh, and Veerling made a really nice play in dead center field. It was kind of wary with the dimensions. You know, it's uh, a visitor's spring training park. And now, granted, Fenway is uh, – or their spring training facility is pretty much the exact layout of Fenway, which uh, kind of helped their hitters. But, um, yeah, it certainly looked a little wobbly out there at times, just getting used to the dimensions, but made a really nice athletic play and chased down a ball there at one point as well so good good defensively in the outfield I thought it was pretty pretty there was one play Riley kind of in between the two of them that Riley Green probably should have had but didn't but outside of that I I I like seeing it um speaking of Veerling I he had another really good game now granted again we're talking about coming off of his player preview yesterday how uh the difference between hitting lefties and righties for Matt Veerling. Uh, and in this game, Chris Sale started. Chris Sale is a lefty. Veerling usually hits lefties well. Now, Chris Sale is a really good lefty, so nice to see him still uh, look pretty solid and comfortable at the plate there. Got another hit in this one. Drew a walk as well, I believe. Um, so, yeah, two, two outfielders, two solid performances, I thought. Uh, going around the rest of the diamond offensively before we get into the pitching side of things, Tyler Nevin was your starter at first base. Uh, he went over, but I don't think he looked overpowered, and he made a really nice play defensively at one point. Uh, started a double play, so he looks comfortable over there. Uh, I think more and more, it's all going to come down to whether he can hit, really, at the end of the day, but uh, it, it really would not shock me if if Nevin had a really good spring and kind of found his way on this roster as a utility third baseman slash safety valve at first base. Or even, I mean, if you're just directly comparing him to Torkelson, uh, if Torkelson continues to struggle in the spring, maybe that's uh, an even bigger conversation between Nevin and Torkelson down the road, but I'm not ready to go there yet. Just thought it was interesting. Nevin getting works at works, getting reps at first base. Uh, also, Andre Lipsius subbed in to play first for the remainder of the game, the last few innings. That's something I've had my eye on as well. I love it. Any way to get Andre Lipsius into the lineup consistently, I am pro. I am a massive Andre Lipsius fan, the OBP king. And uh, so I, I really like seeing him get some work. And, and again, getting looks at first base, even though that's not traditionally what he's done in the minors. Kerry Carpenter, somebody I wanted to talk about really quickly. He's gotten off to a pretty slow start in the spring. This one, he went 0 for 3 with 2 Ks. Uh, now, granted, they threw a lot of lefties at him, and he is a lefty. So, uh, But, uh, I mean, you're, you're going to... For him, we talked about it, what, two weeks ago now? We did like a Badu versus Carpenter competition episode, and I said it was kind of going to be hard for both of those dudes to make this roster, and uh, Carpenter has not hit very well so far. And again, uh, two strikeouts on Monday. Uh, if Badu has the luxury of having a lot of other tools and a lot of other ways he can impact the game outside of the batter's box that Kerry Carpenter has not shown yet at the major league level. So, uh, he is going to have to turn it around here or else Badu and maybe even Parker Meadows are going to pass him by in that conversation. And we could be looking at Carpenter starting the year off in triple a. Um, okay. That's it for the offense. Let's get to the pitchers uh, that threw in this game. Matt Manning. Again, I, I just want to reiterate Justin Turner, everybody's top priority. It's really unfortunate because uh, he, he just had no command 
I mean, Manning was just all over the place and it certainly was not on purpose. And, and, you know, I, I kind of feel bad for him just because that's, that's uh, hard to stomach. We see a lot of pitchers over the years, you know, if they, they cause a gruesome injury like that, it's kind of hard to recover from. And he did leave the game for a little bit there and then it's spring training. So he came back in cause that's cool. And uh, he, he looked a little bit better once he went back out there. They said he was fixing something with his cleat too. I don't know how much truth there actually was to that, but um, he looked a little bit better, but I, I mean, really the, the glaring takeaway from this outing for Matt Manning was next to no command, like really, really struggled just putting the ball anywhere. At one point before he had hit Turner, it was like a four pitch walk before that. And then two or three balls before hitting Turner as well. Like it, it was a solid six or seven or eight, maybe even uh, I don't think it was eight, but six or seven straight balls thrown uh, before that. I mean, he was just all over the place. And again, like he threw a slider at one point that I really liked and uh, kind of got some swings and misses, did end with a couple of strikeouts, which uh, I guess is a silver lining you can take out of it, that the stuff didn't look bad. I mean, he threw a really nice curveball. I might have been to start off the game. One of his first few pitches was a curveball that I thought looked really good. Um, and, and he did get some swings and misses and, and he recovered relatively speaking, but uh, I mean, the biggest takeaway is comfortably just the the lack of command. So uh, in two starts into Matt Manning season, well, spring training, I, I will say spring training season, uh, he has one, his first start in which the velocity was lower than what we're used to. And then in this start, he had zero command. So we're going to need to see a, a big step forward taken from Manning uh, relatively quickly here or else there's going to be some conversations surrounding that as well. As far as the relievers go, we will get into those right after I tell y'all about our friends over at LinkedIn. I'm glad we're talking about our friends over at LinkedIn again. You know, it's been a, it was a while. I don't know if we talked about them too much over the offseason, but we are now. And, you know, these days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. So you can go, you can sign up, and then add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you are hiring. Use simple tools like screening questioning to make it easier to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. That's why small business rates LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. Number one, LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash Locked on MLB. That's LinkedIn.com slash locked on MLB to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. All right, everybody. Welcome back. Segment two here, Locked On Tigers. Talking about the spring training loss to the Boston Red Sox on Monday. Let's talk about the relievers. So we 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 talked about Manning. Next out, oh, well, it wasn't next exactly because, again, Matt Manning left for an out and, and then or two outs maybe even and then came back. Um, but uh, Streve, Jason Streve pitched in this game, and I thought he was comfortably the best pitcher to take the mound 
in a Detroit Tigers uniform. Actually, Brennan White might have pitched before him, but regardless, Streve was was phenomenal. Jason Streve looked great. Uh, uh, three strikeouts in this game. He pitched what one in a third, one inning, one in a third, something like that. Uh, looked phenomenal. The stuff looked really good. That'll play. That'll play in a big way, and I think uh, he is certainly going to be in the mix for a bullpen spot, as a lot are. Again, I mean, if you're going to carry eight relievers, even a conversation for nine, but if you're going to ca- carry at least eight relievers, I think there's only – we went through it a little bit yesterday, but there's only like four guaranteed bullpen spots really on the team right now. I, I think there's a lot of fluidity in this pen in th- this spring. So, Strevang, a really good outing, is is very good for the Tigers and very good for his stock. Let's talk about Brennan White. I think I skipped over him. I'm pretty sure he came out of the pen uh, first after Manning. I was just really pumped I finally got to see Brennan White in a televised game. I've been telling you all that all spring. I'm very, very happy that I finally got to see him. Uh, the stuff looked really good. He has some command issues as well, uh, but I, I really like the stuff. And uh, he got himself into a little bit of a jam there, but also still got some swings and misses when he needed them there at the end of the outing. And he only gave up one earned run, and it was uh, it was uh, he hung. Uh, I think it was a slider or some off-speed pitch he hung and uh, got taken I- into orbit there out in right field. But uh, outside of that, you know, uh, again, still some command issues, very admittedly. Um, and I am glad I got to see him pitch. And when it comes to the competition there in the bullpen, you know, I think he's probably still just on the outside looking in. But uh, again, with the amount of just the, the the fluid situation that is that pen, I mean, anybody that goes on a hot streak could be looking a little bit differently. There was a mound visit at one point as well, and I'm pretty sure Fetter went out there and, uh, you know, he – Fetter went back into the dugout and he got two swings and misses and got a strikeout and got out of the inning. So uh, very nice to see there. The slider I thought looked really good when it was located well. It's just a matter of locating it well. Okay, cool. I really like Brennan White a lot. Really like him a lot. Again, if I had to decide right now, I probably still have him starting off the season in Toledo, but uh, I I really do like him and, and look forward to seeing him more throughout the spring. Uh, Mason Englert, the Rule 5 pick, uh, got into some trouble as well, had some command issues. It seems to be a reoccurring theme lately, um, but did have a couple of strikeouts as well, got himself into a jam there, but uh, made some adjustments. He also got babbipped a little bit. There was a couple of just kind of like weak hits, but definitely gave up some hard contact, definitely went over the heart of the zone at one point when he didn't want to. Um, but I, I really like his off-speed stuff. I really do. And I think a lot of his specifically is going to come down to fastball command because that that breaking stuff and that off-speed stuff, it really will play. I'm a, I'm a pretty big fan of it. So uh, definitely someone else to keep an eye on for as well. Okay, cool. I think that's it for the spring training game. So let's transition now into Nick Maton's player preview. Okay, I really like Nick Maton a lot, and I'm really, really excited about what he brings this Tigers team this year. If you look at his numbers, I guess we can just start with his 2023, 2022 rather, uh, season for the Phillies. He had a 250 batting average, a 341 OBP, and a 514 slug that was in 85 plate appearances. Okay, so not too many plate appearances basically uh he did have 131 plate appearances at the major league level in 2021 as well uh had similar batting average and obp numbers but the slugging percentage was 
Uh, noticeably different. He had a sub 400 slug in 2021, has a lot of experience in the minor leagues as well. So when looking at his numbers, uh, the slugging percentage obviously jumps off the page. That's really solid. He had a 0.8 war in just 35 games for the Phillies, according to Fangraphs, which is a great number. I'm very pleased with that. Five homers in those 35 games as well. But the thing that that I like is not surprising to those who listen often. The walk numbers are really solid. Almost a 12% walk rate in the short stint in 2022. And it's not a fluke because he's had pretty much an over 10% walk rate at every single level of the minors. And I think that that's why this front office went after him and really wanted him to be a part of that Gregory Soto trade. 2022, AAA, 250 plate appearances, 13.6% walk rate. Great number. AAA in 2021, 63 games, 252 plate appearances, a 15% walk rate. 2019 uh, in high single A and double A, a 10.7 and 12.5% walk rate. Like pretty much everywhere he's been, he's just drawn a lot of walks. And I really like that about him. And I really like his approach at the plate. Now, that being said, he also struck out a boatload last year, a 34.1% K rate at the major league level. And when you look at his minor league K rates, they're not nearly that high. But his 2021 season at the major league level, uh, again, 52 games, 131 plate appearances at the MLB level in 2021, he had almost a 30% K rate. So that is one of his big adjustments is clearly in the minor leagues, he's walking a lot. I mean, the minors, his K rates are consistently under 20%. Like he's not striking out a lot, but we very much need Nick Maton to cut down the strikeout numbers while keeping those walk numbers high. Okay. Now, how are we going to do that? You might ask, well, do I have some answers for you? Really, this is not me telling a lot of you guys something that you don't already know, because this has kind of made the round since we've acquired him. But this dude destroys four-seam fastballs and just straight up hasn't shown the ability to hit really anything else at the major league level so far. Last year, okay, four-seam fastballs, not even four-seam fastballs, any variation of fastball, rather, a 406 batting average and an 844 slug. That is remarkable, as the kids say, all right? Now, when you look at the breaking and the off-speed against breaking pitches, a 131 average and a 217 slug, and the off-speed is a 118 batting average and a 294 slug, okay? Much, much worse. Also, when you look at the whiff rates, breaking pitches, 45.6% whiff percentage, off-speeds, a 50% whiff rate. That's 64 pitches thrown that were off-speed pitches and a 50% whiff rate. Those are alarmingly high, and the whiff rate on the fastball was under 20%. That's really solid. So very much, if you're looking for one glaring thing to pay attention to, to Nick Maton for this upcoming season, it's going to be where he slots in defensively, which we'll talk about after the break here. And in the batter's box, it's can he hit anything besides a fastball? And if he can, develop that and improve on that. We're talking about a dude who who has a pretty darn good ceiling, in my opinion. Okay? All right. Let's talk about that. But first, I got to tell y'all about, uh, well, I don't know what. You're going to see, I guess, what I have to tell you about 
We'll get back to uh, the show right after this. All right, everybody, welcome back. Third and final segment here, Locked On Tigers. You like that pump fake? I thought I, I had another read in this episode, and apparently I didn't. So sorry to uh, to, to catch you guys sleeping there, but um, I, <laughs> I had a pump fake, y'all. All right, let's talk about Nick Maytown. We talked about the offensive side of the ball a lot and just the difference between the four-seam fastball versus anything not. Uh, he also, uh, if you're looking for one pitch specifically – uh, the slider, he actually saw more sliders than any other pitch last year, more than he saw any fastball last year. And the reason for that was because he couldn't hit it. He had a 118 batting average against and a 176 slug against the slider at a, I mean, damn near 50% whiff rate. It's just under 49%. And that's the most, the pitch he saw the most last season. So again, if you're talking about adjustments, I we, we really need to see some developments in that. Okay, but let's stop beating that dead horse. If you're looking at some other positives that you can take from him, something that was really interesting to me was he had a 948 OPS or in his major league career period, I guess this is including 2021. He has a 948 OPS in at-bats in which he swings at the first pitch. How weird is that? And and, and it's even more weird cuz this is a dude that draws a lot of walks right? And that has translated to the MLB level. Again, a walk rate over 11% last year. Uh, so that was kind of fascinating to me. In 74 plate appearances at the major league level, he has swung at the first pitch. It's not a tiny sample size. It's not huge, but it's not a tiny sample size either. And to have that high of an OPS on, my guess is that he just sits fastball pitch one. And if it's not a fastball, he's just spitting on it, kind of no matter where it's at. And if it's a fastball over the heart of the plate, he's gripping and ripping. And so I, I think that that's probably the, the reason for that. But regardless, it's been successful. I'm all for it. Why not? Um, I also think it's important to point out, you know, we talked a lot about splits, righty-lefty splits with uh, Veerling yesterday. Mayton, in the same breath, he is a lefty that at the major league level so far has not struggled against left-handed hitting and actually has a higher OPS against um, left-handed starters than right-handed starters. So that's something to, to keep an eye on for sure and that we hope maintains because that's awesome. You know, the, the, the lower platoon risk, the better for a lot of those situations. Uh, let's talk about defensively really quick, and then we'll get into the role uh, on the team this year, and then we'll get you out of here. So, defensively he played second base he played third base he played shortstop he played left field and he played center field at the major league level in the last two seasons uh the only position where he was like a really big minus defensively was shortstop the rest he was all around net zero whether it was just negative or or just positive and you know sure like cool he's not gonna play shortstop here so like not a very big deal but Something to, to keep in mind as well as he kind of will probably play some corner outfield and will certainly play a lot of third base. So let's talk about his role on the team. You know, uh, he has the ability to end the year as the Detroit Tigers starting third baseman. That's really, uh, it's as simple as that. He has it, I, I don't want to say tailor-made, like other dudes are going to get an opportunity there. But he has every, he's going to have every opportunity to be this team's everyday third baseman by the end of the season. 
And uh, just to recap everything, I mean, I think he's going to give us solid defense. I think he is certainly going to crush fastballs. At least I hope he continues that trend. The next step in his development is vital. This is a huge, huge year for him. Uh, He needs to hit non-fastballs, as we've said a million times. And if he can take steps forward and hit even two pitches, I think that's a successful season. I'm not even asking for him to just turn around and be able to hit everything as well as he hits the fastball and just be like the best hit on the planet. If he can even just make adjustments and hit change-ups and fastballs, or if he can even make adjustment and hit fastballs and sliders and not have the, the pitch that he sees the most be his worst pitch against, right? If he can even do one pitch added to that group of, you know, I, I hit this pitch even relatively well, and then I crush fastballs, I think there'll be a lot to build on there. And I think we can really kind of pencil him in as a part of the future of this team. At his worst, he's going to end up being just like a super utility guy that will always have some value because of his versatility. He's got sneaky pop, and, and he has power against fastballs, and he can draw walks. So he has tools that will always have always lead to him having some value but I I mean truly at best if he takes those steps developmentally at the plate I mean you're talking about your everyday third baseman by the the end of this season and we're having a conversation about uh, what the future of third base looks like and how much stock we are going to put into Mayton and I'm sure you know where does the truth lie? A lot. It's somewhere in the middle. And I think that it, it, this is a very fluid conversation that we will be having a lot as the season goes forward. And I'm sure that everybody has a different opinion on Mayton and where he kind of falls into the mix with the Tigers going forward. I just, I'm really excited to watch him play. I think he's got some dog in him. Uh, I, I think he's, he, I don't, he's, he's just, he's a ball player. Like you watch him in spring. I, I get really excited watching him on the field, man. I'm, I'm, I'm really pumped to, to see more of him. I'm really excited about what he can do this season. And I'm really excited about what adjustments developmentally he already has taken and is going to continue making as, as the season goes along and new hitting staff got a lot of new voices in there. And uh, you know, he never heard the the voices from the previous regime as far as hitting coaches go so it'll all be new to him regardless but uh i'm really uh, i'm excited i'm really i'm I'm excited i'm feeling good about nick mayton so we'll see kind of where he falls into that going forward okay cool i think that's all i got for you thank you for making lockdown tigers your first listen every single day for your next listen Check out the Locked On Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Win your league by listening to Matt and Dom every day as they bring you the best fantasy strategies. Find Locked On Fantasy Baseball wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Okay, that is it, I think. Yeah, I think that's all she wrote. We will be back tomorrow, as always. Tomorrow's episode, I don't want to... I don't want to jump here and say uh, anything before it's like officially official, but we should have a guest on tomorrow. So stay tuned for that. Uh, Either way, we will be back tomorrow. So I'll see you all then. Peace and love. Going to Therapy's Dope. And I'll catch you all then, baby. Go Tigers.